Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. With the holidays upon us, South Florida Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Mel Melendez welcomes Kathleen Cannon, President and CEO of the United Way of Broward County, to share the impact of the private sector on giving. Welcome, Kathleen. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Florida Business Minds. Mel, so happy to be here and uh, love the podcast and love the South Florida Business Journal. Well, we love having you. Now, you are the president and CEO of United Way of Broward County, one of the largest nonprofits in South Florida, and one known for its long history of advocating for the health and the education and the prosperity of local residents. And I know that as a former social worker and a nonprofit executive for more than three decades, I know how passionate you are about helping members of the community. So let's get started. First off, can you give our listeners a brief overview of some of the areas of focus for United Way of Broward County? Yes, Mel, of course. Many, many years ago, there's a lot of research on what makes a thriving community. What is a resilient, thriving community? And of course, health, we know is so important. Education opportunities and financial prosperity. If people cannot what we call earn, keep and grow their assets, then they, you know, they can't move forward. So those are our three pillars at United Way. But Mel, under those three pillars, there is so many efforts and initiatives that we do, but that is our sweet spot. It's really where we organize ourselves around impact. And Mel, you know, United Way, we fund, you know, uh, like 130 nonprofits doing great programs. And those nonprofits are working on a specific issue. Now, United Way, what we do is we work on the entire community, almost like a meta-analysis of our county. And we study the county, we do needs assessments, we do community conversations with the different communities that we really try to serve. And we layer you know, human service and business strategy over the entire county and what are the areas that really need to have support, to be lifted, to concentrate on, to study, to publish, you know, reports, to really let folks know, you know, what is the greatest need. So at United Way, we're focused on multiple missions at the same time. So that is really kind of a a sweet spot for us. And Mel, you mentioned that I'm a a social worker by trade, and I am. And the first half of my career, I was direct social services, family by family, client by client, child by child. And I had a, a good business acumen. So I could start to see, oh my goodness, if we could run this program this way, and why are we not measuring what we're doing? And, you know, this is would be more effective and efficient if we did it this way. So I just really started to move into nonprofit management. And at United Way, I get to be a, a macro social worker. I get to be a social worker on the entire community okay. and throughout the state as well. All right. And an effective one. Now, as a veteran of nonprofit work, how have you seen residents' needs change since you've been with the United Way of Broward County? Yeah, so I've been at United Way, wow, is it maybe 11 and a half years? And there has been some significant change. And I've always been a nonprofit, so I always feel like I had a good pulse on the community no matter where I worked. But something became really apparent 10 years ago, I would say, 10, 10 11 years ago. 
where people who were working super hard had jobs, full-time, part-time, doing everything right, they were coming for help. They were coming for help for food or for financial assistance or that they just cannot make their ends meet. And these were teachers, nurses, aides, police officers, um, waiters, waitresses, folks, you know, that serve this entire community. So we were like, wait, why, why are all these folks needing help and services? So we decided to really study and publish this report called the ALICE Report. And ALICE stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. And I know that's a big acronym, but what it really means is people that are working hard, doing all the right things, but falling short. Um, We realize now with the latest ALICE Report that 57% of people here in Broward County live in what we call that Alice threshold. So they barely have enough money just for what we call a survival budget. So that's housing, food, transportation, healthcare, and childcare. So you add up all of those things and you take a look at all of our folks that are living in this Alice community and it doesn't match, right? They don't have a nickel left over and most of them have to spend more than they're earning on a weekly basis. So we decided to really study this and showcase this to our legislators and our government saying, hey, 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 something is really going awry here when people are working at important jobs that run our community and that everybody needs and everybody values and they literally cannot make their ends meet. And they're not overspending and they're not using drugs and they're not, they are literally doing the right things. So the Alice report for us was really a game changer to showcase that we have to look at all of our community. One of the biggest things that came out of the Alice report, and we program around that now and about Alice families is affordable housing. Um, So... Yeah, that's a good lead in for my next question, because I know the last time we chatted, you mentioned how there was a critical need for affordable workforce housing in South Florida. And I think most South Floridians would agree with that statement. And I know that your organization established Housing United to help with that. Can you briefly explain that program? Yeah, yes, yes. And then I'll highlight a little bit about housing affordability and housing attainment. So just in Broward, we are short approximately 140,000 units. I know that sounds overwhelming, um, and and it, it is in a sense, but the need is so great that we really have to foster, develop, build, rehab, um, convert, all kinds of verbs that I can use here to make sure that we really have attainability for affordable housing for people. People should not be spending more than 30% of their take home on housing, whether it's rent or mortgage, et cetera. And over 50% of people are spending over 50% on housing. So we decided we have to really take a look at this. Um, So Housing United, in a sense, was, was birthed and born. And it's multiple prongs. It is us using philanthropy and participating in the solutions for affordable housing. So we've already funded several projects that needed what we call like gap financing. Affordable housing is a real estate deal, but with a subsidy. It costs the same amount to build the same building if it's affordable or if it's a totally high end, it costs the same thing. So we wanted to have that ability to be somewhat of the gap financing for some developers that want to do affordable housing, will keep that housing affordable between you know, no less than 30 years, 30 to 50 years, 
So we've funded some of those gap financing so that those projects can get approved and that families can move in and people can spend 30% of their costs on their housing. So we've got some other efforts underway. And Mel, important piece to remember here, this is an economic imperative that we as a community do this and do this together. Now, we're afraid, like you, that businesses won't want to move here to Broward and they won't want to headquarter themselves here in Broward. You know, maybe the executives can afford to live here, but can the workforce afford to live here? Can they live close to where they're working? Are they going to have quality of life? And you know our quality is amazing here, but if their housing costs are so high, that devalues their quality of life. So it's an economic imperative that we really, as a community, work together. And this, Mel, this is going to be public-private partnerships. This is going to be philanthropy. It's going to be government. It's going to be businesses. And this is like your sweet spot. It's going to be legislators. It's going to be foundations. It's going to be people really understanding and seeing the value of making this happen. One of the things that I tell business leaders all the time is that, and this is a proving economic cycle, if we can help the most vulnerable and people that are struggling, and that's people that are in poverty and people that are in this Alice threshold, if we can help them get more dollars at the end of a paycheck, everybody's business does better. Everybody, nobody loses. There's no losers here. It's not you replace one for the other. Everybody does better. Those folks will have a little money left over at the end of a paycheck. Maybe they'll go and buy a car for the first time. They'll open a bank account for the first time. They'll go to a grocery store and not to like a convenience store. There is so many valuable outcomes that come out of managing this and and doing this together. So Housing United is uh, being part of the solution, funding what folks can't get funding for, and also working with policy. We have to take a look at our policies and are they encouraging affordable housing builders? And are they not, people say NIMBY, not in my backyard. And I say to people, oh my gosh, these are your teachers. These are the people that uh, you serve you in your favorite restaurant. These are the nurses aides that might have to take care of your mom and your dad. You want to be in the same neighborhood as them because you want them to be close to where they work and have productive and every day going into work. They are burdened with financial strife. So think of this like cinder block on their chest and and um, an anvil on their shoulders because all they're thinking about, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to make it to the end of the paycheck. i got to buy some food. What if my tire breaks? What if this? What if that? Think if we can lift that burden and that they have lower, spending lower dollars on their housing, think of how more productive they'll be at their jobs. Think of how the quality of life for all that will improve. So, you know, it's really, it's a business effort as well as, um, like I said, public-private partnerships. And now switching gears a little bit, I was speaking to a friend of mine who also works in the nonprofit sector, And she mentioned how they were struggling with generating support for a lot of their programs post-COVID, a lot of that due to the sluggish economy. Mm -hmm. And since this is geared toward our business audience, what are some of the ways that businesses can help with that kind of counter that? Yeah, that that is so great. And you've heard me say this before, and I'll make sure I, because I do want to say it, that a nonprofit is a business. It's a business like any other business. Being a nonprofit is a tax status. It's not a paradigm for running a business. So really productive and impactful nonprofits run as a business. 
But that also means that you have to have other businesses that see the value of what you're doing. We can showcase the outcomes of what United Way and others are doing. And businesses, um, for-profit business, so important to the nonprofit community because there's so much that businesses can do. First of all, volunteering is down too. Um, so all nonprofits need volunteers to participate in many, many ways. It could be one-offs, like we're doing something on Monday. We've got a whole Thanksgiving box. We actually don't buy the turkey. We give them gift cards for whatever the protein that they want to buy. Um, but we have huge boxes giving away for veterans. So we've got volunteers that are doing that. We had volunteers to pack the boxes. We had volunteers that purchase the food. And every other nonprofit has those kind of opportunities. So we love when business joins with us to solve problems and issues. Businesses have corporate social responsibility. You know, all of our young folks that are in the workforce, they want to work for businesses that matter, that are making a difference in some way, you know, that are participating. They want to know that them on their jobs, that beyond just what they're doing as far as their job, that their company is making a difference. So it's important to their, to young employees and donating, sponsoring an event, donating on a regular basis, because the one, the hard part about getting donors is that certainly you can get a one-time donor, but it's the recurring revenue. That's hard to do because you, you're, you grants are sometimes are one years, donors sometimes come and go, companies want to invest in a program, but they only really want to do it for a year or two. So it's really kind of an ongoing effort. I think that businesses could really join with nonprofits, kind of almost like adopt a nonprofit and make it something that you do on an annual basis with that same nonprofit and volunteer and donate and steward the message of the need in the community and what their business, usually you get more business out of it when you're doing that. We have donors, Mel, who tell us, you know, they decided to become a donor and we have these affinity groups and we do things together, but that they do business with other people because of that. So they're meeting like-minded business people, their businesses get better. Andy Cagnetta, uh, we do a podcast with him. He'll tell you how his business exploded once he became, you know, a donor at United Way and started joining boards and being on boards. And so I just think it's a win-win when business really join, uh, when the for-profit community joins with the nonprofit community. Kathleen Cannon joining us. Next, how she's managing South Florida's tight labor market as Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, working with businesses across Florida to lower energy usage and costs with efficient natural gas. Get cash back energy conservation rebates when you install new natural gas equipment. Learn more at peoplesgas.com slash biz rebates. Now, you mentioned how effective nonprofits should operate as a business. Mm -hmm. And I know you're aware of the staffing and retainment challenges currently mm -hmm. faced by for-profit businesses. What's happening on the nonprofit side? Um, are you finding yeah. equally as challenging? or It is, Mel. It's so challenging. So, you know, during COVID, everything, you know, everything changed, right? And there were some jobs that were much harder than others. And some of the nonprofit stuff really got difficult. It's not easy work. And some people decided to retire 
or to move because it's cheaper to live elsewhere or just to find another way of earning their income. So the nonprofit community really is having difficulty um, getting staff, retaining staff, keeping staff. Um, we don't have higher salaries like some of the for-profit businesses. But some of the things, Mel, that we do at United Way and, and others do as well is it's also the culture of where you work. So we try to really build, we, we have a DEI, so we really look at diversity, inclusion, and equity that we think we are much richer as an organization that we have multiple ethnicities, walks of life, traditions, religions, sexual um, orientations, um, gender identity. We want people to come to United Way as workers and be authentically who they are because it just adds to the value of who we are and we're serving the community. So this is the community. And we do things inside to really try to make a difference um, for staff. We talk about that family comes first. So when there's a family emergency, that is most important. You got to take care of you and your family. And when you do that and you do it well, you'll only better take care of United Way in the community. So there's things that we try to do to really build camaraderie, fellowship. We work really hard, but we have fun. And I try to really do fun things in the office for the team and the staff. So it gives everybody you know, motivates people to continue on this hard course of serving the community. But it has been challenging for nonprofits to retain staff and, and to, you know, bring staff in and, and keep staff. So we're all out there trying to make sure that staff is feeling connected, that they're working hard, um, but that they feel supported um, in many different ways. And that we really try to add to the talent, right? So capacity building, technical assistance, development for staff, what are opportunities that we can help raise their skills and, and educate them in different ways. And so we're always trying unique things in our um, work staff. And they respond. We have very low turnover. We're doing well with the retention. Um, so I think companies, business and uh, for-profit and not-for-profit, they they have to be creative too about what attracts and what maintains and retains their staff. Um, so it's an important piece and we, it's settling down. So we feel for, for our folks and our nonprofit partners, they feel it's settling down as well. So we're optimistic for 2024. And as we approach the end of the year and approach 2024, what do you see as the biggest challenge for nonprofits? in 2024, whether existing or new? Yeah, I would also say, I would talk about a little bit of the affordability. The for-profit, more so for not-for-profit, salaries are not super high. We don't have pensions. We generally, we, we do have 401ks and we do some match, but we don't have some of the benefits I think that's for-profit has. Um, so I do think the affordability in our community and, and housing. So, you know, a lot of our staff struggles with housing and rents and so I do think that that's a challenge uh, moving forward and at showcasing what nonprofits do and the impact that they make. You know, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that we are a business. Now, our product is changing lives for better forever, but it takes strategy and it takes perseverance and you have to measure you know, what you're doing. We measure everything we fund and we measure everything that we do. Um, and if it's not working or something, we tweak it and we retool it, but we also innovate. And I think it's really important for 
non-for-profits to innovate, not to be continuing to do things the way that they have. The world changes so rapidly and we have to try new and different ways of solving big social issues. Um, so I do think some challenges will be affordability, um, housing, and really trying to, to put on different hats and to view things differently and to try different things. One of the things, Mel, that happens uh, with non-for-profits is uh, I run a, a not-for-profit, but I am, I'm not risk averse. I try new things. I really do. And we try things. We try different ways of doing things. But not every nonprofit can do that because they have a slim margin of dollars. So they're afraid sometimes to try something totally new if it's not going to work. Um, so we're trying to support nonprofits in that and help them to innovate and uh, do new practices, best practices. And, and people have to show their outcomes. You know, outputs are just how many people they served. And, and that that doesn't show anything. I want to know the people that you served, what changed for them? So we try to measure true outcomes. What is the difference of this service that we're funding or the service that we're doing to this particular community or population or whoever is being served? So outcomes is so important. And I'll leave making sure that people know not-for-profits should be 100% making a profit. If you're not making a profit, you're not doing a great job, and you've got to relook at that. Our profits, we don't, our board of directors are all volunteers. We don't have shareholders. Um, our, our profits go back into new services. So it's so important to be making a profit as a nonprofit. And again, our nonprofit status is a tax status, and it means that you can't pay shareholders, but you should be expanding your services and reinvesting in new programs in the community. So I want to make sure that all my nonprofit folks out there understand and my for-profit folks understand that every nonprofit should be making a profit. So. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for us. Thank you so much for joining us, Kathleen. You know, I always enjoy catching up with you and learning about all the great services that you provide for the community. Mel, I appreciate you so much. I love the South Florida Business Journal. And um, you guys really, you know, you, you obviously business oriented. You're showcasing businesses, telling us what's happening in the business community. But you understand the synergy of nonprofits and that, that we are part of the economic engine here. So it's really sets you guys apart so much. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy.